So uh, as many of you know, I'm, um, I, I love handouts. Uh, so under, I think, some of the corners, there's some handouts. Um, I tried to uh, prophetically figure out how many people would be sitting in each row, and that seems to probably not have worked. So there, if you need an extra one, there should be some additional copies places, but grab a packet. I tried last time I shared to do visual aids and do up here, and there's something in me that just loves tangible paper. And so I'm going to start a tree planting organization uh, in, order to <laughs> in order to offset the fact that I print lots of paper. All right. The reason I like this is because, one, now you've got something to take notes on. Two, uh, I've put most of the scriptures we're going to read on here. So you don't have to be fumbling around or squinting to see if you can see what it says up there. But three, and most importantly, this is something you can take with you to do a Bible study with you or with other people. Or uh, if you're the the head of your home, it's an awesome thing to sit down and do family devotionals and things with with your family. So this is yours. Take it with you. Take some notes. Um, Yeah, so let's let's jump in. Uh, I want to want to piggyback off of what Jeremy opened with. Uh, how many felt that start to stir something and get excited in you or faith start to rise up as he talked about what we believe, what church is supposed to be like? That's, that's amazing. That's exciting. Uh, but sometimes that makes us, <laughs> sometimes that's great on Sunday and we get stirred up and excited and riveted. And sometimes church, Sunday morning church is like a buffet. How many like buffets besides me? Buffets. So you eat a buffet and you're like, I could not eat another thing. I am full for days. So if you go to a brunch buffet and you eat in the morning, you're like, I'm good for the whole day. And then somewhere about like four or five o'clock, you're like, man, I wonder what is, if there's any leftovers in the fridge or uh, what are we having for dinner or what are, what are we eating? It only lasts for so long. And so church is like a buffet. And that Sunday we feel so full. We've got received so much. Worship, God's touched me, people are getting prayed for, healings happen, the word, I've got scriptures, I'm fired up, going to change the world. And by Wednesday, it's like we're dragging ourselves if I can only make it back to Sunday. And because life happens, situations happen, family problems work, you're watching the news, before you know it, where you know, you are, you feel drained, you feel empty. You feel like Diana was talking about a dry and weary land. And you're like, man, if it would just rain on me again like it did on Sunday. And so I'm setting the tone for what we're going to talk about. This is a guaranteed surefire way for you to stay refreshed and revived, that you would be, you would be bringing forth fruit in season and out of season, that this will, this will lock you in to make sure that that buffet will not only fill you up, but again and again and again throughout the week, you can be refreshed. So that's what we're going for, all right? I'm a practical guy. I get excited by big vision, big picture. I get excited hearing about what Jeremy shared. Sometimes, again, it's like Tuesday, and you're like, hey, how do I actually implement that thing that we were talking about? And so, so what I want to do is give you some practical tools, some tips, some things that have impacted my life and that I'm super convicted about. Um, everyone has a different philosophy and approach to preaching. Uh, some say that you can only give away what you have personally experienced, and that is 100% true. But for some reason for me, God always, whenever I'm getting like rocked by God or something's really impacting and changing my heart, an opportunity pops up for me to be able to share. So 
I'm inviting you into something that I don't have all the answers to. I am not, uh, I could not write a book that would tell you I've successfully done this, learn and glean from me. What I'm doing is I'm inviting you into a process, to a journey that I'm on, and I'm saying, come with me, let's go, because there's fruit here. There's something here that's going to stir us up, and there's a key to, to encountering God. Does that make sense? So look at me as, as a fellow peer, not as someone trying to tell you what to do. I'm saying, hey, this is working for me, and I think it's for everybody. So our, our main base, what we're going off of today, uh, if you've got your, got your packet here, uh, I just want to read Matthew 6.6. 6. This is the essence of what we're talking about today. So everything I'm going to share and, uh, and everything I'm going I'm to show you that I've been studying is, needs to be looked through the lens and the context of this is what we're going after. Okay, It's Matthew 6.6. 6. So you'll see it under the secret of the centuries. All right, This is the verse. Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you. Some say reward you openly, some versions. So when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you. Okay, that's our lens. That's where we're, that's where we're going after. I'm going to break that down in a minute. So the, the problem that happens sometimes when we hear something or we see something conceptually in Scripture is that unless the Bible is going to actually govern your entire life and the decisions that I'm making and I'm looking through that, that is my final authority, then we just end up with another kind of rah-rah, feel-good sermon or something that gets us excited. But what has to happen is we need to submit to what Jeremy was talking about, that the final authority is the word of God in my life. And if Jesus said something or demonstrated something, that even if that's not my experience, even if I haven't seen that in my own life, even if it goes against my feelings, my emotions, even if I think that's wrong, because he is Lord and because I have surrendered my life to say, you are king and I am not, that anything that happens, I'm going to submit to that and be willing to change what I believe, change what I think, go against my feelings and say, if your word says it, let it be done. When you watch those awesome movies about the kings, you know, it's not like they say, well, king, I think, uh, you know, you, you want us to go and do this. That's not really a good option. What if, what if we did this? Or have you thought about it this way? They literally go on a knee and say, sir, yes, sir, or yes, Lord, let it be done. And they, they go out and carry out whatever the king says. And that, that is what submitting to God and submitting to the Bible looks like. So we're going to read how, how to do that on some of these scriptures. So what I'm inviting you into is, is this book, which I'm going to explain here, all right? But I want to give you a few passages that are foundational to developing a lasting encounter, a continual refreshing with God. So uh, I put a disclaimer in here. Hold on tight because the next couple passages kind of pack a powerful punch. All right. So we're going to start here uh, at the beginning. Romans 12, 1 and 2 at the very top. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is a true and proper worship. Other versions say this is your reasonable act of service, or which means this just makes sense. It's obviously, <laughs> there's no other option. You would do nothing else because of how good he is than to do this thing. 
And that thing is to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. That's what we're doing. When you're reading the word and you're ingesting and we're talking about it, we're starting to change the way we think. Because most of us have not been brought up thinking, reading scripture all the time. Some of you have. God bless you. I necessarily didn't, as a kid, read my Bible every night. So I was being influenced by my friends at school, by movies that I watched, by TV. So what I thought was very contradictory to what God said. And so as you start to take in and, and digest scripture, you begin to change your way you're thinking and renew your mind. It says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I, I, I'm going to get sidetracked if I break down, but I want to say that you are guaranteed to know what God's will is for your life, your destiny, your future. It, it's a promise of God that if you will do the things it says in here, that you can know the will of God for you. And so take that, run with it. If you're like, what do I do with my life? Or if you're going to graduate college soon, you're like, what am I called to? This is the answer, and this will give you access to knowing the will of God for your life. All right. We're going to read a lot of scripture today, all right? This, is, this goes against sometimes, <laughs> yay, thank you. This goes against probably what, uh, what you would learn in sermon school, because you're only supposed to have a few, and you're supposed to have relatable stories. And for me, I'm giving you way more material than we're ever going to get through, all right? So take it home, have fun, read it, read it throughout the week. But this is, this is key right here. It says, when Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. I want to read it out of a different version or a different author. Luke said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Why is this important? Because what we're about to talk about is about desiring to go after God. It's desiring, it's creating a hunger to meet with God. But there's a stipulation, he says, if you desire to come after me, this is what you have to do. It's not optional. If you want to come in, if you want to have intimacy, if you want to experience power, if you want to see the miraculous happen, if you want to see your family touched and saved, if you want to see healings, if you want to be at peace and be restored, if you want to come after me and get all of the blessings and access to the kingdom, there's something you have to do. If you desire to come after me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. So, we're going to pray here, all right? We're going to pause because this is, this is the essence. We have to come to a place of wanting to say, I will die to myself and my own agenda, and only when I die can I truly live. Okay? So we're going to pray for humility because dying to self is very hard. Self wants the opposite of what we are going to talk about. Self wants to stay busy. Self wants to do what the world is doing. It actually talks about in Galatians that there is a war that goes on of what sometimes self wants and what God is calling us to. And until you will say, I give up on self and, and I will die daily, as Paul said and Jesus said, then it gives you access to experience the spirit, to experience power, and to live the life we're called to live and that Jeremy was sharing about. So 
Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. So we're starting by asking. We're asking for help to do that, all right? So we're going to pray because it's going to be fun, but it's also intense to talk about this. So we're asking for help from Holy Spirit to breathe on this and to, to make it come alive, all right? Okay. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we humble ourselves, God. You are God and we are not. You are King and Lord, and you have called us to be raised up as kings and priests. But in order to do that, we have to come to the end of ourselves and submit and surrender to your life for us and to be dictated and governed by your spirit inside of us. So, Father, we're asking you, give us the grace, the strength, and the courage to deny self, to deny the selfish impulses we have, and to take up our cross and to follow you. Lord, our heart's desire is to come after you, to run after you, to experience all that you have for us. And these, the way that you said to do that is to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow you. So we commit to that, and we're asking you, show us the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I thought if I was going to open with this, what would it be like if I was sitting listening to me and my initial reaction was like, whoa, this is kind of heavy. That was what I thought. It would be like intense. I got to die. You know, this is pretty, pretty intense. And so then I'm thinking, man, if God's in a good mood and he loves me, why has it got to be so intense? Like, why can't this just be, you know, fun? And the thing is, this is fun and we're going to get to the fun part, but... <laughs> But what it takes is, and why I think, when I asked myself this question, why, why does it have to be so intense? And here's why. Because here's what I've found. Jesus loves me 100% just the way that I am. If I never read another Bible scripture, if I never attended church again, if I never led anybody to the Lord... He loves me 100% completely because he is love. And so regardless of what I've done, regardless of what I'm going to do, it's not his love doesn't fluctuate. It's unconditional. So that's 100% the way that God sees me and views me. There's a caveat. He loves me too much for me to stay the way that I am right now. And so the, his desire and his hope would be that we would be conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. You say, well, Jesus is Jesus, and I'm not Jesus, so uh, I can't do the things Jesus did. I can't look like Jesus. Well, if that's how you feel, let's read a scripture and see if that lines up with what you're thinking, all right? So I want you uh, being conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. Um, we're going to read Romans 8, 28, and 29. This was my... <laughs> I had two favorite scriptures when I first became a Christian, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is probably the, like one of the number one populars when you become a new Christian. And number two was, I know that God causes all things to work together for the good, for them that love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8.28. I never read Romans 8.29, okay, <laughs> initially, but as I began to do a study on this, here's what it says. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose for them. It's amazing. It's awesome. He has good plans for us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope in a future. But 
The next part says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to be conformed into the to the be conformed like his son. Another version says into the image and likeness of Jesus so that the son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is a promise that if you are a Christian and you have said, I devote my life to Jesus, I'm a born again believer, that the journey, as Dan says, is not one where God is, he's more concerned in developing you than he is in delivering you. That's, that's a quote from Dan. I love it. Okay. That's the journey. And so sometimes we've bought a bill of goods that that's not the journey. The journey is, Lord, take me out. Lord, fix this. Lord, fi fix that. And he's saying, I'm developing you and molding you and shaping you into the image of Jesus. So what does that mean? That means if I'm in the middle of a dark time or in the middle of a storm, the disciples are praying, Lord, we're going to die. What's going to happen? Take us out. Fix it. And Jesus stands up and says, peace be still. So the image and likeness of Jesus is that you have the power and authority to change atmospheres and to change storms rather than asking God to do everything because now God lives in you. And so now it's not God way up there, fix my situation way down here. The, the, the gospel, Colossians says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So it wasn't even enough for Jesus to walk beside you, even though that was awesome. The ultimate goal was Jesus get in you. That's it. So you are walking around with resurrection power in your life. You're walking around not, not asking situations to be changed, but carrying the authority to change situations. Here's the problem. <laughs> if I had so much power and authority, if those of you who like uh, superheroes, Superman, or Superman, Spider-Man, got my superheroes mixed up, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, he gets told something by his uncle. He said, with great power comes great responsibility. What an awesome quote. You could preach a whole sermon on Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. What are we responsible for? We are responsible to steward this in a way that is submitted to the, to the, to the scriptures and to what Jesus has said. So where Christianity has kind of gone off the deep end sometimes or believers have gone way out into, into a whole other realm is because they're allowing experience or, or other things to interpret and use their power and authority for that rather than saying, anything I believe God's saying to me, I submit to the word of God. And if I don't see it in the Bible and I don't see it in the life of Jesus, I'm just going to put it on the shelf for right now and weigh that out or continue to pray on that. And if I'm experiencing something in my life or have a thought or a feeling that doesn't line up with the life of Jesus, then I need to submit that and say, Jesus, you are my model. You live inside of me. I'm, I'm being conformed into your image. How would you say? Why do you think they came with those bracelets? What would Jesus do? <laughs> because that, because that's, the, that's the description of what we're supposed to be following. How does Jesus respond in this situation? All right. So. How does he do this? How does he transform us into the image and likeness of Jesus? You may not like the answer, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the truth. Because sometimes we just want it to be a, a supernatural experience where everything changes. And in my personal experience, for example, when I made the silly mistake of a young believer of praying and asking for patience, uh, what, hap what, what happened was, is God did not zap me on my couch while watching Netflix and make me a super patient person with everyone in my life. 
I just ended up in a bunch of situations that were super frustrating and required patience of me. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is not your experience, but for me, it's that when it's that you are in life, going through life, you are in the world, but not of the world, and your experience and what you're coming against in life is a chance and an opportunity to demonstrate the kingdom. So when Jesus came to earth and he was going to demonstrate healing, it's not that everyone was just all of a sudden supernaturally touched and healed. It's that everywhere he went, because he carried the authority and power of God, that he released the kingdom of God and he released what heaven was like over the people that he encountered. So there was a part that Jesus still had to play. It wasn't automatic. He didn't just get zapped. And in fact, he had to go through 40 days of testing in the wilderness to receive what he got. And so he didn't go up front at the end of a, a revival service and get touched and then everything shifted and changed for him. He basically went in the wilderness to die to self for 40 days. Why do you think he didn't eat? Because fasting is killing of and denying your fleshly desires and self so that the spirit man in you becomes the thing that's governing you. That's why he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I am not going to be able to carry out my mission if I'm not hearing from God and if I'm not submitted to the, the voice, the Holy Spirit inside of me. In Romans 8, it says, the mind ruled by the flesh is death. But the mind ruled and dictated by the spirit is life and peace. So what's happening is dying to self. And if you are governed by self, the, the end of the equation is death. Your mind, your thoughts, your decisions ruled by self equals death. Your mind ruled by and governed by the spirit equals life and peace, which is what Jesus showed us. Life and peace wherever he went. He released life he released peace over every individual, every situation, every circumstance, every dark time, every spiritual battle he came in. He released life and peace because his mind was ruled by the Spirit. Amen? All right. So let's actually get to the secret now, practicals, okay? Are you with me? Great. So how does he conform us into the image and likeness of Jesus? There's many different ways in which he does this. For your reading pleasure, I've got two additional packets in the back that, I, that I've done separate studies on of different ways that God, that God will transform us in ways that he uses life and circumstances. I've got one on what I think is what sparks revival in church. It's called Desiring a Genuine Move of God. And I've got another one that says, how do we stay focused on spiritual things? So for your reading pleasure, they're back there. Grab an extra one on your way out if you want not for paper airplanes for your children, because we, many trees were harmed in the making of these packets. So please only use them if you're going to do a study on them, all right? So there's other ways. I'm not saying this is the only way. I'm saying this is what the journey I'm on that's impacting my way of experiencing what we're talking about. Okay, so this is a key. I'd actually call it a secret, if you will. In fact, believe it or not, it's the secret of the centuries, in my opinion, and also Bob Sorge's opinion. The secret of the century, all right? This secret that we're going to talk about gives you access to hearing the voice of God. By hearing God, that is the key to transforming into looking and acting and praying and being like Jesus. So how do we can get conformed into the image and likeness of God? By hearing God. That's, that's the answer. And that's 
what we're going to talk about, how, how do we hear God? How do I position myself to hear God? So, the secret that we're talking about, what is the secret of the centuries? The secret of the centuries is the secret place. How many have heard that Christian uh, phrase thrown around, the prayer closet, the secret place? Are we familiar with this phrase? If you were honest, how many would say, I'm not necessarily sure exactly what that is or how to get to this place in which people speak of? Nobody? (laughs) All right. I did a study on this because I wasn't exactly sure. Because sometimes we throw out Christian zingers all the time, and I'm more like, what does that actually mean on Thursday when Ariel is teething and I've been at work all day and uh, I'm exhausted and Sunday's buffet feels like a distant memory and I'm starving in a dry and weary land? What does the secret place, what does the quiet prayer closet actually look like? So let's go back to our, our verse in our scripture before, before I lose this here. Matthew 6.6. 6. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees you in secret, will reward you. This is the concept of where people get the idea of the secret place from or the prayer closet or whatever else people have deemed to call it in the new fads that are, are coming, coming down the Christian uh, contemporary Christian stuff. This is what they're talking about. They're talking about Jesus explaining this is what you do when you pray. Not if you pray, but when you pray, this is what you do. You go into the room, you shut the door, and you pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. So a couple practicals that, that I jotted down. Uh, this is the access to intimacy with God. This is the, what constitutes a secret place, according to this, is free, being free from distractions. Your cell phone should never be in the quiet place, because if your phone is like mine, it's never quiet. It is ringing, it's Facebook checking, I'm getting dings, I'm getting alerts, people are calling me. My phone rings more when I want to talk with God or pray or read my Bible than any other time in the day. So I'm pretty sure the enemy has tapped into my cell service and it... If Verizon is the devil, no, I'm joking, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. But uh, my point is, that is the worst time for me to have my phone is when I'm trying to get with God and meet with God is, is this time. If I have anything around me, the TV, all of a sudden there's, there's this desire and draw for the remote to wonder what happened on ESPN or catch up on my show. Things start to come at me whenever I try to carve out this time. So freedom from distractions is an absolute necessity for this to work. Quieting your mind is an absolute necessity. We're going to talk in a second how to do that. So the next question that I asked myself when I started to talk about this is, is this really important as I'm making it out to be? That, and that, that is a question that I had. I'm like, am I, over, am I overdoing this? Is this an overemphasis? There's so many other things. I actually wanted to talk about healing, like, couple weeks ago. And I was saved because my body was miraculously healed. I'm more passionate about healing than than many folks that I know. And I've I've done, got packets. If you want packets, let me know. I've got healing packets. All right. (laughs) Studies on healing. 
That's what I want to talk about. And so, of course, now I'm conflicted. I'm like, I feel like God's telling me to talk about this, and I want to talk about healing, and healing's exciting. Healing's a more fun, actual message. It gets people more riveted and exciting. Yeah, the altar call for healing is usually a lot more than uh, kill yourself and come forward to die. <laughs> Not as many people want to come forward to die to self. A lot of people want to come forward to experience power and healing. So I asked myself, is this really as important as I'm making it out to be? And this is what I wrote to myself. I said, I know in my life the single most transformational thing that can happen to me is hearing something spoken from God that is applicable to my life or situation. Hands down, hearing it from somebody else has, is like 100th percentile the power of when God reveals something to me or shows me something. It's not even measurable. And Val will tell you this if you pull her aside, because Val tells me things about me all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure, babe, definitely. And I don't change anything. Nothing shifts. And then a couple weeks later, like, you know, God's showing me this. And she'll, she'll be like, oh, geez, I've been telling you that for, you know, probably months, you know. But something happens when God breathes on it. There's life on it. Something shifts when you read a scripture that's applicable to your specific situation. You're like, whoa, God is here. He's spoken to me. Something's different. And there's power and there's grace on it for there to be action and movement. And you will change and shift things far more likely that you will do it when you hear it from God than when you hear it from someone else. So shutting, powering down and getting away with the father and truly hearing from God is where transformational power is at. I'm not saying and please hear me. I sometimes I come back and I'm like, I said extreme things when I had the mic. And so. There is power in coming forward and getting laid hands on. I, I hope I didn't kill Jeremy's call for prayer at the end, okay? Come forward. There, there's release when, when hands are laid on. There is power. But what I'm saying is we are in a fast-moving society, and we have been conditioned to want everything now and everything fast. And so it's fast, fast cars, fast food, fast money. You know, stock market, lottery, everything to come now. I want everything now, and if it's not fast enough, I need, I need to upgrade my, uh, my online speed. Remember when we had AOL dial-up and we were excited? You liked the ringing sound of getting online. But, but now, now, your, now if your DSL uh, wireless isn't like warp life speed, I got, we got to upgrade. We, this thing's too slow. It took like 15 seconds to load my next page. You know, my... So because of that, and we're conditioned to that, we want the easy fix. I was in a Todd White meeting, and he said countless people come forward to pr for him to pray for them and say, Give, I want what you've got, Todd. Lay hands on me and let me get it. I want a double portion of your anointing. And he said, he just tells him, no, you haven't paid the price that I've paid to get what I have. And so therefore, it's a disservice to you. If I gave you what I have, you couldn't actually even carry what I have because you haven't died enough. You haven't humbled yourself enough. You haven't been in the secret place like I have to get what I have. That's heavy. And so people walk away discouraged. Well, I guess I'll just wait for another guy to come who will lay hands on me rather than saying, hey, maybe Todd's onto something here. Maybe the secret of the centuries is that every person you read about who's ever had an impactful, life-changing uh, walk with God, people like Charles Finney and Wesley and uh, people like this who've shaken things, Smith Wigglesworth, the secret of the centuries is that they were in the secret place communing and meeting with God. And because of that, that's why they walked in the power and authority. And anyone 
who received power and authority that didn't have that place. If you read the like God's Generals book, it's amazing. It talks about all these amazing women and men and women of God and all the revivals. And if you look up the ones who didn't consistently have this, never made it to the finish line. A lot of them fell. A lot of them fizzled out, burned out. A lot of them fell into sin or into different things because this is the key that keeps you humble and keeps you hearing from God. And this creates the measure inside of you to carry what he wants to give you. Amen? Okay, let's actually get to the secrets now. All right. So what you have here is a condensed version of just the first three keys to Bob Sorge's book, Secret of the Secrets Place. And... Um, what I've done is I've took, this is what the book looks like. Feel free to order it online. Um, I've taken the first three keys because that's as far as I can get without going back and reread them again and trying to implement. I've taken the first three keys and I've kind of cut out his stories and his examples. So that's why if you want that, you can get the book. It's really awesome. And I've given just the headlines, the kind of in, the pointers that I've taken away for like some steps or tools to do this, all right? So that's what you have in your hands on kind of page two and three. Um, I just want to read, I want to do two things and then we're going to go through this packet, just a couple of them, two points from each one, all right? I want to read to you, um, I'm going to read this at the end, never mind. What I want to do then is I want to invite up for a few minutes, uh, someone whose secret life with God inspired me uh, since the day that I met her, uh, that I've seen the many benefits and fruitfulness of this person um, living out the principle of meeting with the Father in the secret place. So uh, I'm going to ask Val to come up and share. Uh, yes. Come on, babe. All right. Hello, everybody. So uh, those of you who know me know I am a pretty intense individual, and it's pretty hard to scale it back for me. So um, I, I grew up in a Christian home and, you know, went to youth group, was pretty passionate, but I always had a difficult time, like, really believing if this was, like, the real one way. Um, and so when I started, like, I went actually in a gap year after my sophomore year in college to an internship called Honor Academy. And there we really learned, like, a lot of, like, again, it was a super intense program. It was right up my alley, the kind of person I am. It was very rigid. We had to wake up at 5 a.m. and have corporate exercise, then 6 to 7, an hour-long time with our Bibles and just being quiet. And it was in Texas. And so was, the structure hit me just perfect. I loved it. It was a year long. Um, but what I walked away with was, I remember when I first got there, I said to somebody, they're like, why are you here? And I'm like, I just want to know God. Like, I don't want to continue to have these doubts the rest of my life. Like, I don't know if I hear him. You know, I, I never learned how to actually apply like, oh, the spirit spoke to me. Like, this is what the father says. And so in that time when I would, uh, you know, during, we had a couple fasting retreats as well. And my favorite fasting retreat was when uh, it was three days, so no food, but then also no talking, and that was the hardest part for me. I could go without food for a week, no problem, but talking was so hard because I'm a verbal processor, and I'm like, right when I get something, I want to like, hey, this is what God said. This is an awesome revelation. It's right now, and it was hard to like just wait and just like continue to process with the Father, 
And so I really learned, like, in that time, and obviously I'll just be totally transparent. Like, right now, my secret time with God does not look anything like it did that year. You know, like, obviously being married, having a baby, like, it's still like a wrestle. But I found in those times, like, God, you know, I would come like, God, how about this, this, and this? Let's go save the world. And he's like, I want you to receive my love for you. Like, you're trying to please these people. You're trying to do that. Like, you're so anxious. And he just, like, loves on me. And he really taught me to just still myself and receive, like, his love. And it always goes back to that. That's why I love this. It's so foundational. Like, I coach soccer, and we always say, look, let's go back to the basics. If you get back away from the basics, you're, you're going to be off away from what you really need to, to win at this game. And this thing is the foundation we can never get away from, you know. And even I remember when I started – having power in the spirit and being baptized in the spirit and like praying for people. I loved it. But eventually I got so far over there and I stopped receiving God's love for me in the secret place. And it became more like, oh man, they didn't get healed today. Like am I off? And it became about like works orientation. You know what I mean? And so I would say like my biggest takeaway was really, um, I still do this at like once a year, at least I go for a weekend uh, away to a bed and breakfast. I don't bring my phone. I'm there for three days and I fast and I'm just like, God, you know, like, what are you saying to me? How do you need to realign me? So that is number one. Number two, who in here is a writer or a journaler? Okay, I wasn't until I was like, I have so many thoughts. My mind is always racing. And God was like, take out a pen and paper, write those things that distract you, put them over there. And now write what I'm saying to you. And that would always help realize me, like, this is from the Father. And a lot of the times, most of it was, like, him just saying how much he loved me. I'm like, God, stop telling me you love me. I know it. But obviously, I didn't know it enough because he kept saying it and saying it. So those are my two practical, like, practical points. It's just making a point to, like, you got to fight for this time. It's difficult. The devil does not want you having time with God to hear what he says. So you got to fight for it. So for me, that's why I tell Brandon, hey, we got to look at our calendar. I need to get away. Like, I'm so, like, responding to life. I need to get away. And then the second part is when you have those times, like, have a journal, write down the distractions, and just then write, God, what are you saying? So that's what I wanted to share. All right. Well, now that you got a break from my voice and my rambling, um, Val has been inspiring me long before we were even uh, a couple, just that I was, I was spurred on by the, the times that she would get away, and I, I hate journaling. I, that is not my thing. I've actually, I'm a better typer, so I like to type, and I can type things faster and keep up with what, I, what I'm thinking and stuff, but I do want to say that it, it is key, and sometimes you have to force yourself to do it, but not every time. Here's the cool thing about the secret place. There's lots of ways to connect with God when you carve out this time. There's a book. At the end of your packet, I've got additional resources of things you can reference to. One of these books is called Sacred Pathways, and it's an amazing book that talks about different pathways to connection with God. And so the thing about this is I'm going to give you right now three basic principles, but these can be applied in a variety of ways. Maybe you are not a journaler. That is okay. You don't have to journal every time in your secret place. Maybe you like worship. And the point of this is that there's different ways to connect with God through music, through nature. I love getting outside and taking a walk. Rather than a bed and breakfast, I would love to go pitch a tent and kind of be in the wilderness roughing it with a beard. And that's me. And that's okay. That doesn't make my quiet time any more or less 
quiet or secret or spiritual than vows who wants to be in a nice bed and breakfast cabin with a fire and, uh, you know, journaling. And so, so if you're like, hey, I have a hard time connecting with God. I'm not really, want to sure, not really sure how to do that. I've got on the last page the, the name of the book and the author listed. It's a great, great resource to find different ways to connect with God. All right. Three points. We ready? Okay, so you're looking at Bob Sorge's Secrets of the Secret Place. That should be page two, okay? The first secret of your quiet place is the secret of saying yes, okay? That's, I, I'm not going to belabor this point. The ones I bolded were the ones I were going to go over, but here's what I want to say. Everything I've just discussed was to try to convince you to say yes to this. So I hope I've done a good job of that. And this is Bob's talk of and his highlighted points of why and how you should say yes but everything i've just rattled off is why i believe this should be your number one yes before you say yes to another thing with god this is it this is the yes and so that's that's the point of secret of saying yes so i'm going to say about that you can read this on your own the secret of the shut door point number two I want to read the first bulleted thing. This goes back to he's getting the shut door from Matthew 6, 6, which we've read. That's the lens we're watching this through. Point two, do you struggle frequently with feeling disconnected from God? Do you strain to feel God's presence when you pray? Does he seem distant to you? Do you long to know that he is with you right now, drawing near to you? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Sure, Bob, what do you got to say? If you answered yes to any of these questions, there's great news. Praise the Lord. What is the great news? There's a guaranteed way to get into God's presence. There's a surefire, 100% guaranteed way to have instant intimacy with the Father, and Jesus himself gave us the secret and the key. The secret, he said in Matthew 6, 6, your Father, who is in the secret place? I had to keep rereading this. I looked it up in a couple different versions. What he's saying here is Jesus is telling you that God is already in the secret place before you even go there. Why do you think that when Adam sinned and he was hiding, God said, Adam, Adam, where are you? Because God was already in the secret place and had a secret place with Adam that they walked in the cool of the day. And when Adam wasn't there, that's why God was saying, where are you? Because like, I'm, I'm in the secret place. This is where we meet, and you're not here. So where are you, Adam? He knew what, where Adam was, obviously, but the point was there was this secret connection, this closed place where they would walk together, and Adam wasn't there, but God was. So your father's already in the secret place. He's gone ahead of you. He's waiting for you. The moment you get in the secret place, you are in the immediate presence with the father because he's already there. That alone should be enough motivation to say, I will give up anything, I will do anything, I will reschedule my day, I will wake up early, I will stay up late, whatever I have to do. If he's there and he has the answers to every situation I'm facing, every problem, everything I've ever desired in my heart is in and found through him, that's got to be number one. That he's already there, I will fight, I will claw, I will get to that place because he's already there, and it's guaranteed meeting with God every time. Okay, four, Jesus made it very clear. To get there, all you have to do is shut your door. I think I've already hit the point that that is not an easy thing to do, but it is a requirement that he said in this prayer, when you pray, shut the door. That means 
I'm not saying that you cannot pray in prayer meetings or pray while you're driving the car, but we're not talking about a quiet place where you're doing it in the car. That, to me, is super distracting. I'm not sitting and waiting and receiving. I'm switching lanes. I'm getting mad at the guy who just cut me off. <laughs> My prayer life's a little different in the car than it is if I'm seated in a quiet place, sitting and submitted and surrendered to God, all right? So prayer is great in other aspects, but he's saying this type of prayer where God is meeting you at, the time, when we're talking about revelatory intimacy, you have to shut the door, which means disconnect from everything, shut it down. Okay, point six and seven, read on your own. We've been talking about storms, we've been talking about darkness, and Bob Sorge does an amazing job of explaining how this aspect is what gets you through storms. This, in Bob Sorge's, uh, in his interpretation, this is the secret to overcoming darkness, the secret to going through storms. This is it, that you have this place regularly carved out with God. He actually says that, uh, believe me, friend, storms will most certainly come. There are storms that, you have not, that have not yet hit your life. That's not super encouraging, but it's reality. We are all going to be facing things, even in the coming months and years, that storms, okay? That is, unfortunately, it's a promise of God that says, in this life you will face trials of many kinds. Sorry, if no one told you that when you became a Christian, guess what? You face trials if you're not a Christian, so at least you have an all-powerful God to help you through the trial now. But sometimes we think it's a get-out-of-jail-free card when you're a Christian that I'm never going to face any problems, and if you've been a Christian longer than three hours, you know that's not true, okay? But when the storm hits, when it hits, how do you respond? He says, will you have the foundation in place to survive the storms? Being in your prayer closet, being in the secret place, and shutting the door is building on the rock. That is how you survive and how you thrive during those times. Okay? Last point, secret of listening. Can't go through this. The point is, his conviction is that, uh, that largely he spends more time listening than talking when he's in the secret place. And that's hard for verbal processes. And there's a time to pour out your heart and share your heart to God and God, my family. I'm crying out for my children. But he has a statement here that says, things don't change when I talk, but things change when God talks. Talking to God is for you to be at peace, to bring relief to yourself. Oh, someone listens, someone cares. But not necessarily situations are changed. When God speaks one word in a situation, everything shifts and changes. That's why his conviction is that listening to God is more important than talking to God when you're in the secret place. Don't have time to pack it. It's in here. But he says this. Verse 9, I want to end with this, and I want to give us encouragement here. He says, hearing God's voice is not my daily experience in the secret place. Far from it. It's also what Val shared. Okay, It's not every time that... The heavens are imparted. It's not every time that every week it's going to look as good as it has in months or years past. But he says, most of the time I come away with unfulfilled longings, unanswered praises, unrealized aspirations, deferred hopes. It sounds like, boy, why would I even go to the secret place? This is kind of depressing. But, love when there's buts, but then along comes one of those days 
When heaven leans over and God speaks a word directly to your heart, he breathes on a portion of scripture and it's personalized its meaning precisely to me. That moment is worth all of the knocking, all of the seeking of the preceding days. I will endure months of silence if he will but speak one creative word from his mouth to my spirit. I'm sharing this because this is a lifelong journey, okay? If you say tomorrow, I'm going to embark on carving out this time with God, and by Thursday, we haven't had a, a complete overhaul and revelation transformation, sometimes we get discouraged and we say, well, that didn't work. Let me go buy another book of seven keys or seven secrets. This is a lifelong process and journey. There's growth that takes place, and there's something that happens where God purposely goes like this to draw you in more and to draw you in closer. And he's doing that because he wants you to find him. God kind of plays hide and seek with us. He says, I am already in the secret place. The reason it's secret is because I want you and you alone and you and me to connect there. So here's what we're going to do. I want everyone to take out their phones. Yes. It's <laughs> I just bashed technology for 40 minutes and now you get to take out your phone. If you don't have a phone, you could write it on your notes. But many of you will lose these notes by tomorrow, and so that's why I know you won't lose your phones, all right? Here's, here's our application. I thought, do I call everyone forward and have them come and pray and say, yes, I want this, and have an emotional experience? And I felt like, no. I felt like, practically, I want you to commit to, if you've been stirred by this and you desire this and want this, remember Jesus said, if you desire to come after me, this is what it takes. I want you to answer these. I want you to put down, where is your place? Do you have a place? Do you have a place that you meet with God? Maybe it is a physical closet, okay? I don't know. I can't remember the name of that. I think it was called War Room, okay? It's a Christian movie. And so this lady literally moved all her clothes out of her closet and made that her prayer room. Awesome. Maybe it is the woods next to your house. Maybe it's your office where you don't have a computer and don't do work. But I want you to write down where is your place. And if you don't have a place, then I want you to ask and write down that your first line of business is finding a place because he promised you have to shut the door. You need a place with no distractions, no other people, nothing that's going to pull you away. Has to be done. So the first application have a place. If you don't have a place, ask God for a place or commit that by tomorrow high noon, I will have a place that I have found in my heart that I meet with God. Second point, second application. What am I listening for? Maybe you're listening for direction for your life. Maybe you're listening for your family or our breakthrough in business. Maybe you're listening for, God, I'm dry and I just need whatever you want to say to me. I need God, a prophetic word from you would go miles longer than any person in my church. Whatever it is, I want you to write down, what am I listening for? And the third one is, if you're willing to commit, I want you to write down, I commit to saying yes. Because remember the first point was, I say yes to this. And the other commitment is, I'm willing to wait. Like he said, I'm willing to be in for the long haul and willing to wait. It says, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. I'm gonna close in, I want to close in prayer. I want to pray over you the prayer that I wrote 
after starting to go through this and getting super <laughs> convicted, all right? And conviction is a good thing, all right? Condemnation, bad. Feeling guilty, feeling bad. Oh, I, here's the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is, man, I can't wait to get out of this church and for my kid to go to bed so I can get in the secret place. I've been missing it, but man, I can't wait to meet with God. He's a, you're telling me I've just been convinced that God is already in my closet. All I have to do is shut the door and the, king, the God who created the heavens and earth, the universe is waiting for me. I'm doing it, whatever it takes. Conviction. Condemnation. I haven't been doing this. Uh, I th there's so much work that has to be done to be a Christian. Maybe I'm not even saved. I, I haven't done this. I'm this. And you're feeling guilt and shame and condemnation. And, God and you feel this voice saying, well, you haven't been doing this. No wonder you're not living a victorious life. No wonder things feel dry. Condemnation. Okay? Not of God. Of the devil. Conviction is good. Holy Spirit stirs us up to convict us. So what I'm praying, this, I'm going to pray this prayer over you that was my conviction when this happened to me. Father, I have neglected the secret place to the degree that Bob Sorge talks about. I've gotten busy, and I've even come away discouraged sometimes from meeting with you. It has skewed my view on the reason and purpose for why I meet with you and why I make time for you. God, I believe your word and I have a new revitalized faith that you are there. That whether I come away hearing from you or not, your word says that you are already in the secret place when I go there. Therefore, I believe it and I receive it by faith. God, before you now, I repent for allowing feelings of discouragement or busyness to get in the way of meeting with you. I ask for your grace. I ask for your strength. I ask, Holy Spirit, for your conviction, your loving kindness that draws me near to you to remind me, to nudge me, to touch my heart and say, come away with me, meet with me. Shut the door. Turn it off. God, this week, I choose to agree with your word. I desire to come after you. Therefore, I deny myself. I take up my cross daily and I follow you. Over work, over money, over family, over children, over husbands and wives, I choose you. You are first and foremost in my life, and meeting with you is more important than anything else I will ever do or any other appointment that I may have. 